favor marks the series. Just an overview. People of the Lord march down against mighty warriors. Thus ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to October, huh? I mean, we are here. We are here. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you're visiting for us, with us for the first time, special welcome to you. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Matthew. And I, I need y'all praying today. I, I stepped out of my comfort zone this weekend and I played a little basketball for the first time in I don't know how many years. So I'm a little I'm a little sore this morning, so I'm going to solicit some prayers. If you see me moving gingerly, just know that there's a reason for that. Amen? Amen. Well, today we're going to continue our study of the book of Judges. So, in other words, the roller coaster ride that is the book of Judges. I pray that it's been a blessing to you thus far. I do want to remind you we do have these stickers available to you. Uh, you can find them just outside of the worship center. I want to encourage you to pick up one of these if you, if you don't have one already. It just tells you kind of where we're going um, so you can read ahead and you kind of have an idea of what we're going to be talking about each week as we study the book of Judges. But before we get into God's Word, let's take a moment and give God the thanks of our time together. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you and honor you for this day, the day that we've never seen before, and today that we'll never see again. Pray that you help us to be the best that we can be today, right now, in this moment. Can't do anything, God, but apologize to you for where we may have missed it on yesterday. Us up today, God, with a fresh breath, new grace, new mercy. We declare, Jesus, that you are the authority in this place. We ask that you will move up and down in God, move in and out of our hearts, God. We pray that you'll do whatever you got to do. But in all that you do, we get the glory in this place and in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. History and poetry. Poetry and history. Judges chapters 4 and 5 are interesting, to say the least. Part of the reason why they're interesting is because they describe the same events. Chapter 4 describes the events from a historical narrative perspective, while chapter 5 describes the events from the perspective of a poet. To say it another way, chapter 4 is more heady. Chapter 5 deals more with the heart. Similarly, some of Bible scholars in the way Genesis 1 and 2 is written. You know this, Genesis chapter 1 is more poetic, while Genesis chapter 2 is more historical. And as we've been studying the book of Judges, we've seen these cycles, these judge cycles, the cycles that the people of Israel go through. And today, we'll look at the third major cycle. And in this third major cycle, it begins the same way the other cycles begin. And even though the judges we'll meet today are not similar, we'll see that they're very unique. So let's start by looking at Judges chapter 4, verse number 1. It says this, After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So here we go again with the beginning of another cycle. But I don't want you to miss this. It says they did evil in whose sight? The Lord's sight, right? So I don't want you to miss this, that nothing is hidden from the Lord. 
the evil that we do, the compromise that we engage in. Nothing we do is hidden from the Lord. We might get, we get good at hiding it from each other. We get good at hiding it from ourselves even. But nothing we do is hidden from the Lord. And if you take nothing else from our time together today, I need you to know that. that nothing we do is hidden from the Lord. The Lord sees everything. And so we see this cycle, another cycle begin here in Judges chapter 4, number 1. Now what we see in this, by way of setup, is fascinating. And I want to use a quote that you may have heard before to set up where we're going today. It was just by Harry S. Truman, who as many of you may know, he was the 33rd president, but he said this, he said, it's amazing what can be accomplished when you don't care who gets the credit. It's amazing what can be accomplished when you don't care who gets the credit. And we'll see this, we'll see this fascinating way that God works in Judges chapter 4 and 5, but it begins by saying, so Israel did evil in the Lord's sight. Now, enter in our next judge, Deborah. And her military commander, Barak. This is that was the only judge that sings a duet with a military chief. A song that is captured in Judges chapter number five. And together, Deborah and Barak are the ruler and the rescuer. They are the ruler and the rescuer. Now I need you to get this. They represent two things that we see in King Jesus. He rescues us, but more than that, he's our ruler. And we'll impact this as we go along. But as we begin Judges chapter number four, we see this cycle begins with the Israelites finding themselves in subjection. This time, they're subjected to the evil king of Canaan, Jack. Now, if you've been walking with us, you know that they've been under subjection before. They've been under subjection before, and if you've been studying this, you know that the Israelites, had they trusted and fully obeyed God back in chapter number one, they wouldn't be in this situation with David in chapter number four. Only this time, the opposition is worse than when they were under King Cushion or when they were under King Edward. If you remember, in those first two cycles, they were under subjection for eight years in the first one and then 18 years in the second one. This time, this cool slavery that they're under, under King David, would last for 20 years. 20 years. And so as we look at this text together, we see that David's military commander, his name is Sisera. And he has 900 iron chariots, according to verse number 6. 900 iron chariots at his disposal. This military commander, Sisera, is the main agent of Israel's pain and suffering, and I need you to know he was not a nice guy. He was not a nice person. In fact, he would enslave the children of those that were captured, and he would use them as sex slaves. That's what he would do. But now watch what verse 3 says, the end of the verse, it says, Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. We've seen this, we've seen this, 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 this sentence before. We've seen the fact that as a part of this cycle, Israel cries out to the Lord for help. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, I recognized myself. I recognized myself. And if you're anything like me, then this is a common prayer for many of us. We pray to the Lord for His help. In other words, we pray to God to rescue us. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Help me. God, help me. Help me. This is what we see with the Israelites. You ever had a family member or friend, and every time they reach out to you, it's because they want something? Now, that person might be with you. Don't look at them. Look, take over on it. If they're with you, stay, stay here. But what's interesting to me is this is how a lot of us see God. We reach out to the Lord when we want help, when we want to be rescued. When we want something from His hand, but we don't want to talk. That was convicting me. Do you want what's in God's hand, or do you want God's heart? But as a part of this cycle, we see that the Israelites cry out to the Lord for help. And since God is faithful, God is faithful in your life, He's faithful in my life, He's faithful in our culture. Despite the fact that these people in his sight, they can't help. These things are rescued. This time, the rescue of the people came on their death. I want to show you. Let's look at uh, Judges 4, verses 4 and 5 together. It says, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Now, what do we know about that? What do we know about her? We just read that she's a, a, a prophet, right? She's preaching and she's teaching God's Word. We see her doing this in verse number 6. If you read it next, she preaches and teaches God's Word. In other words, she is leading Israel. She's helping the people settle their disputes. She's helping them settle their disputes, and she is sharing the counsel of God with the people. She's sharing the counsel of God with the people. Now, Deborah is very different in this regard from all the other judges, because she leads with wisdom and character rather than by a warrior's might. What we studied so far, we saw often, often y'all and Ehud, they went to war. Conversely, Deborah, she guides the people through counsel. She's a godly leader. She's not a battlefield commander. And in this way, don't miss this, in this way, she reminds us of another characteristic of Jesus, and that is that he is our wonderful counselor. Additionally, we see here that godly leaders come with different gifts and personalities, don't they? We also see that they come with different things. God uses godly women and men throughout the scriptures to lead, tell, share, pray, and counsel his people. Let me be clear. God created men and women equal and distinct, and he wants to use both to advance his kingdom. Somebody ought to shout amen. God wants to use both men and women to advance his kingdom. And so Deborah rules, she judges rather, as a ruler more than a rescuer. And in that way, Deborah is a pointer to the coming monarchy and ultimately the King Jesus. The 
through Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that it is Jesus who will have the government upon his shoulder as a ruler, and he also has the cross upon his shoulder as a righteous. So we see these two characteristics of Jesus being modeled in fact, he was a shepherd and Barak to bring about peace to the people, the Israelites. But Deborah didn't mind sharing the task of being judge over Israel. So she called Barak to come from the tribe of Nathalie and listen to the word of the Lord from her. In other words, it didn't matter. She got the credit. I wonder where the kingdom of God would be if nobody cared about it. I wonder what we could do for the kingdom of God if nobody cared who got the credit. So enter in Barak to our story. What do we know about him? Verses 69 tell us a few things. And he comes in and he judges or delivers Israel as a refuge and not a ruler. And in this story, he is the battlefield commander who took the word of the Lord from Deborah and put it in battle. Scripture says that he took 10,000 warriors to join him and face off against Sisera and his mighty iron chariots. But let's look at verse number 8. At the end of verse 8, he says, I'll go, but only if you go with me. This is his response to Deborah. He says, I'll go. I've heard the word. I'll go only if you go with me. Now, most likely he's saying here that I want the word of the Lord to go with me as I face this terrible thing. What he's not saying is I don't want to go alone. And this is interesting because the word of the Lord is powerful in our defense against the enemy. When he came, when the enemy came against Jesus in the wilderness, right, what did Jesus use to combat the enemy? He used the word of God. He said, it is written. And you see the same thing modeled here. And not to mention you, for some of us, this is why relationship is important. We'll talk about this as we close the message out. Developing a relationship with God and knowing His Word, because the Word is going back to the enemy as He seeks to bring opposition and destruction in our lives. Let's look at Judges chapter 4, verse number 9. It says this Deborah's response to Barak. She was very well. She replied, I'll go with you. But you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the story, the woman Deborah is referring to is not herself. It's not herself. We'll see, we'll see God enter in somebody else in the story that will play a major part in what he wants to do in the lives of these people here in our text. But he says, God, you're not going to receive the honor from this. We'll meet Jay Allen in just a minute. But it's amazing what can be accomplished when no one gets credit. For me, this story reminds me Mount Saber, and he faces this opponent that seems insurmountable. 
insurmountable. I need you to know that the iron chariots of that day, they're equivalent to, 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 to drones and smart bombs of our time. But I love what happens here in the text because it gets really interesting in verses 14 to 16. It says this. Uh, you have a copy of the scripture, read along with me. It says, Then Deborah said to Barak, Get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. For the Lord is marching ahead of you. Somebody needs to know that the Lord is marching You're facing something that seems difficult and insurmountable. But maybe God sent you here today to remind you that He is marching ahead of you. He goes on to say, So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. Verse 15, When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. That's what God was doing. Then Barak takes his chariots and the enemy and the enemy army all the way to Hirosheth of Boinam, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. But the leader, the leader of this big bad terrible army. And flee on foot. And what happens to him is nothing short of the judgment of God. Sisera comes, the text says, he comes to a tent and he meets a woman named Dael. He comes to a tent and meets a woman named Dael who invites him in to rest at her home. If you haven't read your Bible, we strongly encourage you to do so. She invites him to rest. Now, you need to know something about Jael. Her husband was an ally of David and Sisera. Her husband was an ally to David. So this is why when he flees and he sees her, he believes that he's going to be taken care of. So she invites him in to rest. And the scripture says, as he sleeps, as he sleeps, Jael takes a tent peg and a hammer and drives the tent peg he takes a tent peg or a tent peg and a hammer and tries it through his temple system as he sleeps. Now, for women in those days, putting up and setting down the tent was being their responsibility. So the tent peg and the hammer, this is something, these were, these were items that people, she was very well familiar with using. But this time she uses them to kill the enemy. And now the gruesome nature of Sisera's death is missing. Take us back, go ahead, to Genesis 3, verse 15, when God promises that one day he will crush the head of the serpent and achieve the final victory for his people. And, and listen to me, he doesn't just do this in the text, he does it in our lives as well. We're also reminded by this and pointed to the coming rescuer, Redeemer, who will carry out God's plan of salvation, no matter what you and I are currently facing. I submit to you that God wants to stop out your enemies right now. He wants to bring peace and justice into your life the same way. But don't miss that, that there were three people involved in what God did. And maybe for some of us, we are too concerned with getting the credit and getting validated and being noticed by people that we forfeit what God wants to do in our lives. We 
see in this story that God uses three different people to ultimately bring about his purpose and his plan. And so, as we conclude our time together today, I want to I want to summarize chapter five in the sense that it is a victory duet between Deborah and Barak. They sing this song of victory in chapter number five on the day of David's defeat. It is a unique and beautiful moment of joy and gratitude for God's deliverance. And this song of Deborah and Barak in Judges five it mirrors the first song recorded. In the Bible, another song of deliverance found in Exodus 16. In fact, the story of Deborah and Barak is meant to mirror and point us back to the story of Exodus chapter 14 and 15. And Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt and their victory over Pharaoh. Because Sisera had, had 900 iron chariots, guess who else had mighty chariots? And so in Judges 4, the Lord has moved the waters of the Kishon River and washed away the chariots and the army of Sisera. This explains why Sisera flees on foot in our account. Because in Exodus, God parts the Red Sea and washes away the chariots and the army of Pharaoh. Why do I say that? I need you to see that God has been this story. Sometimes I'm faithful to God the way I want to be. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes my life blesses God. Sometimes it doesn't. But through it all, the ups and downs, spend two days, miss three, come to church five weeks, miss six. Through all of that, God is faithful and He always sees ahead. But what we see through the story and Barak, who are quite a combo, is that they represent two things that God wants to do in our lives, two opposites. He wants to rescue us, but he also wants to give us a reason. What am I saying? God wants to hear from us more often than just the reason.
And so if you're saying that, Rodney, I hear you, I hear you, but, but I don't, how do I, how do I get to that space of making him real? That's my second point that I want you to find. The relationship that bridges the gap between rescuer and rescuer. It's relationship that breaks the cycle. I've never been one to be overly prescriptive about how that happens in your life because your story may be very different than my story. What I am suggesting, and I say this all the time, that righteousness is not your burden. He died for that. What you and I should focus on is just spending time with him. And what I can tell you is that as we spend time with him, certain things that we struggle with, they'll just drop off. centered around the word help. And so as our application from our time together today, I want to suggest that we exchange the word help for another word that begins with us. Instead of always asking God for help, now don't get me wrong, that has its place, right? But instead of always asking God for help, how about we ask God, how can I honor you right now? God, how can I honor you in the midst of my disappointment, in the midst of my discouragement, in the midst of my confusion, in the midst of my frustration? God, how can I honor you right where I am? Because what we know is that God is faithful. But we know that help is coming. But maybe the help comes by way of a change in our posture. Because when we, instead of asking for help, ask God, how can I honor you? Our posture changes from hands out to hands up. And maybe through that posture, our perspective will begin to change. And maybe through that posture, we'll begin to see God for what He is. We'll begin to see that though we're frustrated, confused, disappointed, discouraged, To remember another word that begins with R that we talked about last week. If you remember that word, it was remembrance. Right? Talked about how the scripture calls us to remember God. If you're here last week, I mentioned that for many of us, we need rhythms of remembrance. Because part of the reason we get into some of the things that we get into. I mentioned that we have a corporate rhythm of remembrance. It's called communion. 
individuals with a mother and And so my hope and my prayer as we begin to engage in communion together is that this will be a springboard for you. That remembering God wouldn't be something that you do once a month. It would be something that becomes a regular part of who you are. And so here in New City, we have what's called an open table communion. Which simply means that if you are a Christ follower, whether you call New City home or not, we invite you to partake in communion with us. But it also means that maybe if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I believe that now is a great opportunity for you to think about what a next step in a relationship with God would be like. And myself and any of our students would be more than happy to answer any questions you want to do with that process.